Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. And welcome into another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Podcast where we talk G5 football and only G5 football. And it's time for another Sunbelt edition of the podcast. I am Aikman Chambers, of course, the Appalachian State contributor and partly for Coastal Carolina here on the side. And my trusty co-host, as always, the Georgia Southern contributor who you can find on Twitter at Watch the Stone. Mr. Brian Stone, my man, we are back at it again this week. Fresh off another successful fun belt pick'em. Now we finally dropped one game, but our record through two weeks of pods are 11 and 1. Pretty good, if I do say so myself. Yeah, and I don't want to sound like a homer, so I'm going to go ahead and acknowledge the one loss that we had. Georgia State just crushed you on Monroe, and it wasn't ever close, so I just want to go ahead and get that out of the way. I'll, I'll go ahead and, you know, hand up we were wrong on that one. Well, you know, we, we may be accused of being homers, but uh, our homer pick of that Georgia Southern over Arkansas State, even though, you know, you're the Georgia Southern homer, but we both went with the home team and we both called it, turns out in crazy fashion, and we'll dive into this a little bit later on when we break down the, the Week 5 games, but that Georgia Southern pick, people might have thought we were crazy we, we don't look so crazy now absolutely not and you know this is the georgia southern team that everybody was expecting to see uh past defense was as good as advertised now we'll, like you said we'll jump more into this later stats wise it doesn't look great uh on paper but if you watch the game you'll see that a lot of what they were getting arkansas state was a lot of dink and dunk passes and a lot of like rpos to screen so, uh, you know, they weren't giving up a whole lot of yardage through the air except for a couple couple different throws. But, the, you know, this is the Georgia Southern team that Eagle fans have been waiting to, uh, to see take the field. And this is where we kind of start with our two big things that happened. Number one, is Georgia Southern football back when they first made the jump alongside my App State Mountaineers? Georgia Southern uh, came into the Sun Belt kind of just like a freight train. They rolled right through off their FCS success. From your viewpoint as a fan, as an analyst of this team, uh, Brian, it appears to me that we're seeing older elements of true Georgia Southern grassroots football back in Statesboro after the Tyson Summers era that we would rather burn from our memory forever, I'm sure. Even even me from an App State perspective, I thought... In a way, it's kind of sad to see how bad Southern or Southern was under Tyson Summers because I was just so used to Southern having a winning record, App State having a winning record when they would go in to play each other because for years in the FCS ranks, that's all it was. A lot of years, either one of the teams was ranked number one in the country in the FCS polls when they would play each other. So, 
you know, in your mind, is Georgia Southern football back? I think just the fact that they were able to finish off Arkansas State instead of hanging around means that they're maybe not where they were as far as when Fritz was the head coach, but they're at least on the pa- on the right path back to getting to that point. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to sweep through Sunbelt play or anything along those lines, but the fact that they were finally able to finish off Arkansas State after two years of just blowing matchups to them means that they are a lot closer to where they want to be versus where they have been the last couple of years. Well, of course, as we move on, our second big thing that happened this weekend, and I think it's something else that stands out uh, full bore, uh, Josh Farmsworth and his things to look at from the Sun Belt. His article on Underdog Dynasty talked about this as well, and I think it's a glaring thing that stands out. The Sun Belt East looks so much tougher than the West. I mean, when you glance at that East division now, now that everybody's played four or five games through the season, you got Troy at four and one, App State at three and one, Georgia Southern three and one, Coastal Carolina three and two, Georgia State two and three. You can't sit there and tell me that this East division does not look a whole lot tougher than the West because when you glance at that West division, yeah, you got Arkansas State, but Monroe, is Monroe going to be considered a, a heavy threat? Louisiana has no defense at 1-3. and three. Uh, South Alabama, App State showed that South Alabama still has a mighty long ways to go as far as defense and some other key issues that Alabama has. I, I tell you, Brian, I feel like the East is just on another level compared to the West. No question. And, you know, like you, like you mentioned, it, the West is really Arkansas State and then everyone else. Uh, as far as that goes, you know, this, this one Sunbelt loss won't have a ton of effect on them come, come, uh, later in the season because they're just going to roll right through the West. But the East is, uh, is going to be a dogfight for the rest of the season from what I can tell. Yeah. And, you know, I also break into this thing looking at, You've got some good quarterbacks out in the West Division. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Justice Hansen is there, and then you've got Caleb Evans and, and some other guys as well. You've also got Nunez for Louisiana. Uh, but when you really look at it, the the very more, I guess you could say, consistent or leadership quarterback roles outside Hansen in the West is really nothing special, whereas you move to the East and you've got, you know, you got Shy Wirtz for Georgia Southern, you got Zach Thomas for Appalachian State, you got uh, Bryce Carpenter and Kilton Anderson, both have shown that they're capable when it comes to playing quarterback for the shots of clears, and then of course for Troy, you got Caleb Barker, what more do you need to say, say there, and then Dan Ellington has looked pretty decent in his games for Georgia State as well, so I think the quarterback play is one thing that really elevates the East as well. Yeah, and I'm going to go kind of an opposite way with this. The problem with a lot of the West teams is they just don't have a defense. Right. Um, it's it's a lot like when you look at the NFL nowadays, the AFC teams are essentially like the Big 12 and the NFC is like the SEC as far as defensive play goes. And that's the kind of the way I look at the Sun Belt is the West is just like score as many points as you can if you're not Arkansas State. Just score as many points as you can and just hope you can win in a shootout. And, you know, that only helps you so long. Eventually your offense is kind of going to run out of gas or run into a wall at some point. And so that's kind of what we saw at a lot of the West teams, uh, Arkansas State notwithstanding. 
Well, as we move on to kick off our recap of all the Week 5 games, we start with the big one, Alabama and Louisiana. Now, granted, the Cajuns covered. It shocked everybody because at halftime, nobody thought Louisiana was going to cover in this game. Nonetheless, they covered the 49, 49.5-point spread, whatever it was, by the time noon hit Saturday. But uh, what more can you say when you look at the box score, as we expected it to be utter domination the Cajuns were giving up a lot of points to FCS opponents and G5 opponents. So what would you expect when they rolled into Tuscaloosa, title town of college football, so to speak? And Tua Tagovailoa, 8-for-8 eight eight passing, 128 yards, two touchdowns, and a 99.5 quarterback rating. Jalen Hurts, 4-for-6 for for 118 yards with a touchdown, a 99.7 quarterback rating. I mean, even Alabama's third string, Mac Jones, got some plays in there at, at uh, quarterback as well. It was just when it rains, it pours for the Cajuns on Saturday. Yeah, and, you know, I'm sitting there watching as much as I can of the of the Troy Coastal game before uh, Georgia Southern kicked off, and they just kept plugging in and saying, hey, Alabama scored two more touchdowns. And it's just it's just rough to sit through. Like we were talking about, though, with the point spread, uh, going into this one, as soon as Jalen Hurts comes into the game, you can pretty much throw all betting lines out the window. Their offense is a completely different animal when he's in the game versus Tua. Tua just gives them that added dimension of being able to chuck the ball down the field and score points in a hurry. And, uh, you know, we kind of expected Louisiana to run into a brick wall here, but they were, like you said, they were able to cover. Uh, they did kind of what I was thinking they would, uh, in the fourth quarter, scoring two touchdowns to, uh, to make sure that they didn't, uh, they didn't get beat too badly, I guess. But yeah, it, you know, we both saw this coming in. There's no surprises here. Yeah, that's why I think when you look over the box score, I mean, for Louisiana, Andre Nunez, he was 19 for 15, passing 75 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions. That's a glorious 6.7 quarterback rating. Uh, when you look at the the rushing stats, yeah, they put up 200 yards uh, on the ground. Elijah Mitchell, 11 carries, 85 yards. Trey uh, Regas, 16 carries, 111 yards, and a touchdown, but... I mean, you, you you put 14 up in garbage time. A lot of these stats were kind of bolstered by that just a little bit. Yeah, and it's always tough, especially when you look at you look deeper into a box score. And like you you mentioned, Mitchell for Louisiana, 85 yards rushing on 11 carries, which is great, 7.7 yards per carry. But he had a run of 40 yards. So when you take that away, he's got 10 carries for 45 yards in total, which isn't terrible, but it's also uh, it's also not great, especially in college football where you're, you're usually averaging about six yards a carry, uh, for elite runners. So yeah, like, you know, we, we expected this one to be rough. Tua was a perfect eight for eight, which is, which is always tough when your defense can't even force an incompletion, uh, was only really in the game for maybe the first quarter. And then all of a sudden it was, it was the hurt show again. Uh, but you know, Alabama is as good as, as everyone says they are, and I don't really see any weaknesses with this team moving forward. 
No, of course, with the loss, Louisiana now falls to one and three on the season. We move on, and what do you know? At home in Atlanta, finally somebody decides to be able to run the football for the Georgia State Panthers. They absolutely took care of Louisiana Monroe, forty-six to fourteen. Seth Page nine carries, a hundred and forty-five yards and two touchdowns. He had a long one of eighty-two. This is what we were talking about last week and even the week before, Brian, is that Georgia State, they were their own worst enemy because they were so one-sided offensively where they were just having to rely on Dan Ellington to carry this football team. And the Panther Nation finally got a taste of what it feels like to not have to rely on your quarterback to throw the ball 30 to 40 times in a ball game. Yeah, the the running of Seth Page is really going to be a key for them this season. Uh, we had kind of tagged them this season as uh, having some spotty defense, but pass defense was excellent for them this week. Uh, they forced Evans to throw two picks. Uh, he only completed 19 of 32 attempts for 136, which is uh, four yards per pass, um, which is awful. Uh UL Monroe leading rusher was Kyan White, uh, one carry for 46 yards and that was it. Uh, Evans had to do it on the ground to get them two touchdowns as well. So, you know, Georgia State, if their defense can show up on a, on a consistent basis, they could be a really dangerous team. But, you know, just looking back, you just don't know what you're going to get on a weekly basis out of their defense. No, Penny Hart had seven receptions for 42 yards. He did not find uh, a touchdown. This was a game where everything was done on the ground for Georgia State as Dan Ellington only had one touchdown pass as he was 15 for 18 passing, 179 yards, which is a nice 90.2 quarterback rating. The only receiver to catch that touchdown was Roger Carter, one reception for four yards and a touchdown so Penny Hart and some of these other guys not as active as in weeks past but that's kind of got to be a a breath of fresh air for the Panthers because we haven't seen anybody in so long break the hundred yard mark for this team and consistently it hasn't happened in, in a few years now this is a this is something as you just mentioned if Georgia State can consistently have a runner right at that hundred yard marker over and then Ellington be near that 200 yard mark passing that's where you're going to find this team, you know, a lot more dangerous just as long as that defense decides to continue to come and play each week. Yeah, and that's huge because considering, you know, that outside of Ellington and Page, they also had Trey Barnett go for uh, 62 yards and a score, including a 23-yard touchdown run. But that's the key to when supplementing a bad defense. If you have a running game and you have a consistent passing game, you don't need somebody throwing the ball all over the yard. If you have a, if you have a consistent running game, you can keep that defense off the field. You can keep the pressure on Ewell Monroe the whole time. And they got, they got a big punt return from Penny Hart, uh, for a touchdown. So it's all going to come down to their defense and their running game. If those two things are working, they are going to be a talented football team. When it's not, it's ugly. With the win, Georgia State moving to 2-3 and three overall on the season and a 1-0 and oh in Sunbelt play. Louisiana Monroe dropping to 2-3 and 0-2 and oh and in conference play. We move on uh, to the game that was played in Veterans Memorial Stadium. The Troy Trojans taking on the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers and I'll tell you what, uh, Brian, this was a game where 
Obviously, the final score, I don't think, tells all in this game. I honestly had some impressive moments on behalf of Coastal Carolina playing one of the juggernauts of this conference. The game at halftime was just 24-14. to Coastal was within striking distance at halftime, but it still shows that this Coastal Carolina team is very young. They're going to have the majority of this team back next year. Troy, you know, got just got better athletes, more experience, but... Coastal Carolina showed me some grit in this game. They didn't make it that easy for the Trojans compared to what this score shows. No, but from a betting perspective, this is kind of what we were talking about uh, a couple a couple weeks ago with Troy. They go up 21 to nothing early in the first quarter. It looks like they're going to cruise and then they just kind of fall asleep in the second quarter. Uh like I said, I watched most of this first half. You know, they were they were doing whatever they wanted on offense and then they just kind of took their foot off the gas for a little bit. Uh obviously they woke up in the third quarter and scored 14 and then capped off a t- another touchdown in the fourth quarter to to make it a 24 point win. But, you know, uh I think they're they're obviously a super talented team, but yeah, Coastal from a talent perspective just got uh, a little ways to go when when it wants to k- compete with the top of the Sun Belt East. Well, Bryce Carpenter making his first career start as a true freshman. Of course, Kilton Anderson was out with his bum ankle in this matchup. Carpenter, an impressive 18 for 22 passing, 172 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Honestly, against this Troy defense, from a true freshman perspective, when you put all the variables in, you got to be impressed with the young man who's going to be the future leader over the course of the next three years for this Chanticleer, uh, Chanticleer team. Absolutely, and the play calling, uh, you know, helped him out as far as with his completion percentage and you know getting him some some easy reps and kind of getting him into the feel of the game. Uh, I could possibly see if Kilton Anderson is out for any significant amount of time, teams start to uh, really stack the box and try to take away the uh, the running attack of uh, Marcus Outlow and Torrance Marable. But, uh, you know, Bryce Carpenter showed some nice things. Uh, it'd be nice to see him th- tr- maybe try some more throws down the field, especially when you get down 21-0 to in the first quarter like that. But, you know, from a numbers perspective, it looked good. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, some teams defensively start putting 10, 11 guys in the box and ask him to basically Carpenter to beat them down the field. Well, for Troy, it was all about the running game in this matchup. Jabrir uh, Daltrey Fry, five carries, 140 yards, and a touchdown now of that 140 yards on five carries. One run was of 74 yards, but this dude, in my opinion, is one of the fastest guys in the Sun Belt. Oh, absolutely. Uh, like I said earlier, you know, Troy was getting whatever they wanted to do uh, you know, there was almost no resistance in the first quarter, which kind of makes you scratch your head when you look at the, uh, the halftime score. But yeah, there's no question, uh, Daughtry Fry's talent. And, you know, BJ Smith came in behind him, had 103 yards and two scores on just 10 carries. They, they were, uh, they were popping off long runs all, all day. And, uh, as long as they don't fall asleep against the talented team, I feel like Troy is just as good as anyone else. Well, of course, with the win, the Trojans advance their record to four and one and two and zero in conference play. Coastal Carolina falls to three and two, ending their three-game winning streak, and they drop to one and one in 
conference play. Well, we move on now. The App State Mountaineers taking on the South Alabama Jaguars. Of course, I was there in person to watch this game, and, you know, so much for that 25-point spread uh, being too much. They had that covered at halftime. <laughs> yeah, uh, no question about that. Did, did we? Do you remember what the over/under for this game? They definitely hit the over, correct? Uh, the over/under was only fifty-six. Okay, so App State almost covered by themselves without South Alabama <laughs> even being able to score. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it it, it is what it looks like on paper. Uh, they really just. It was another case of a team just doing whatever they wanted. Uh, Zach Thomas didn't have the greatest day throwing the ball, but when you're, when you're putting up, uh, 42 points before halftime, there's not a whole lot you can complain about. Well, a couple of those interceptions, they don't really go along with how they look on the box score. And I'll tell you this why, because App State come out, as you know, they had the big lead uh, at halftime. First drive of the third quarter, Thomas just drops back and throws one up to Sutton, throws it 40-plus yards downfield, just lofts it up there, up for grabs almost, so to speak. It, it, App in the second half. And this has been a theme for them. When they have a huge halftime lead, App gets experimental in the second half. You'll see different sets. You'll see different looks. You'll see different quarterbacks, receivers, halfbacks. And it's almost like they're just trying to see what they can do. And that's how these two interceptions came about. Right. And, and you know, they haven't been like Troy where they've kind of – uh, accidentally almost run into, uh, some long-term issues as far as losing games when it came to, to kind of taking their foot off the gas a little bit. But, you know, when, when you're up 42 to 7 and coming out at a, after halftime, I, I say why not? F- find, find whatever, whatever can work down the line when you're in a close game and you can pull something out of a hat. But, you know, like we said, App State's just that much better than South Alabama. Well, especially another interesting stat to look at is backup quarterback Peyton Derrick, the redshirt freshman. This is the underlying stat that they were talking about on the broadcast of the Appalachian State game on the radio uh, after it after it was finished. It was on post game. Peyton Derrick, I believe, in his stint so far is coming in. He has seen action in every single game the Mountaineers have played. It's it's kind of cool to see a backup quarterback getting snaps. That just goes to show you how App has been uh, in control of the games they played. Now the only reason he got a snap in the Penn State game was because uh, Zach Thomas went down with an injury and missed one play before coming back in but Derek so far for the season is either nine for nine or ten of ten passing he is not in his time that he has come in and now granted when he's come in they've relied more heavily on the run letting the red shirt freshman get his feet wet but on the passes they've called he's made the most of them hence why he's not had an incompletion in any of his action all year yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like I said, you know, it's it's time to get experimental when you get up by that much. You want to see what what some of your reserves might have should your frontline starters get hurt. Like you said, Thomas getting dinged up a little bit in the Penn State game. But yeah, I mean, you know, when you when you're beating a team by 45 points, this was the issue with South Alabama that we were talking about in the uh, Memphis 
uh, preview. They just don't play much defense, and they rely on their offense to take over for them. And this is one of the reasons why we were talking about the Sunbelt West just being a bunch of teams that uh, are hoping to score 50-plus points a game, and when it doesn't happen, it's ugly. Well, Evan Orth, he was 20 for 33 passing, 225, did not find a single touchdown through the air, did have one interception. You know, this was a game, the the running stats were non, they were just not there. You take those off the table for South Alabama, on the, only 83 total yards rushing. South Alabama kind of pulled a, it's almost like Georgia State took South Alabama's rushing formula and South Alabama took Georgia State's and it was just non-existent. But receiving, I really thought App did a really good go- uh, really good job of controlling Jamarius Way. Uh, seven receptions, 63 yards, no touchdown. His longest catch was 16 yards. I honestly think, even though he had led the team in receptions at seven, but when you're holding him under 70 yards receiving, to me, that that's doing some things right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I've pretty much been uh, a Jamarius Way fan, I guess, on this podcast uh, the last couple weeks. Uh, I think when it comes to draft time, I think Jamarius Way is going to be one of those guys that gets taken maybe in the fourth or fifth round. But just the measurables, you look at him, he's 6'4", 220, and anytime you can take a guy like that out of the game, it means that obviously your defense is up to snuff uh, because typically guys like that aren't easy, easily contained. Well, of course, with the win, the Mountaineers now 3-1 and one on the season, and they advance to 1-0 and oh in conference play. South Alabama falls to 1-4 and four on the season and 1-1 one and one in conference play. Where our last game to break down from Week 5 before we start looking at Week 6 was your game, my man. A thriller, an absolute thriller with a capital T, and you might want to put capital letters the whole way, just cap lock the word thriller, because Georgia Southern, I believe, uh, with less than 25 seconds to play, I believe, if that time was correct, I know you were there, 28-21, they pull off a crazy way to win a football game. We called it, we said last week at home, Georgia Southern showed some impressive things against Clemson to carry over. Arkansas State has been a slow-starting team. That proved to be the case again Saturday night in Statesboro, and this time it caught up with the Red Wolves and the Eagles getting their biggest win in nearly two years in conference play. Yeah, you know, I'm going to start on Arkansas State here whenever I'm recapping this. Arkansas State had such a a strange game plan. Um, I don't know if they were afraid to throw the ball down the field against Georgia Southern secondary. Uh, You know, Georgia Southern secondary had shown some nice things, you know, as the season had gotten started. But like I said earlier, it was a lot of Justice Hanson. They would run a lot of RPO stuff that was just screens out outside that weren't going for a ton of yards. Um, you know, when you look at their receiving numbers, Kurt Merritt uh, was their leading receiver. He had 11 catches for 92 yards. That's only eight yards per catch. Um, you know, from a, from a receiving perspective, that's not super impressive. Now, like you said, they did wake up in the third quarter and was able to score 11 points and really, uh, start to, start to, you know, make Georgia Southern sweat a bit. But the guts it takes with 19 seconds to go and you're debating on whether you're even gonna kick a field goal in that situation. Now they're at midfield. They're debating on whether they want to kick a field goal, uh, punt, you know, maybe run out the clock, play for overtime, and you run a reverse pitch 
to to the fastest guy on your team and he just almost goes untouched for a score. It's it's impressive and it it's definitely uh it definitely shows the difference in coaching from a Tyson Summers to someone like a Chad Lunsford. Well, of course, when you look at this too, we talked about last week. I gave you a, a question of over under how many passes does Shy Wirtz make, and you said you want him under ten, somewhere in that five to seven range. Well, he only attempted three of them. He completed one of them, one for three passing, sixty-one yards, and guess what? It was a touchdown to go with it. And if you're not going to see this young man put the ball in the air much at all. That's just not how Georgia Southern plays football. But he was the man on the ground. 22 carries, 113 yards, and a touchdown. Wesley Kennedy, 8 carries, a buck 05, and a touchdown. Wesley Fields, 10 carries, 98 yards, no score. Wesley Fields is a guy that I thought coming in was going to be like the the mainstay, carry the big-time load in this backfield. Do you feel like Wesley Fields has kind of faded a little bit this season, although his stats have been okay and been pretty good, but I feel like I was expecting it to break out and be Wesley Fields left, right, left, right, and do a bunch of a bunch of different things. Now, granted, he had a touchdown catch in this game. That 61-yarder from Wirtz was a catch from Wesley Fields, but do you do you feel like maybe Fields still has room to really show what he can really be for this offense? Well, here was the problem early for Georgia Southern was uh, a lot of their offense for the first couple quarters uh, outside of that Shy Wirtz touchdown pass was very bland and uninspired. It was a lot of trying to run between the tackles where Arkansas State was really using their front seven to pack the line of scrimmage. That's the reason Fields' numbers are so unimpressive on paper is because when Georgia Southern figured out it was time to run some jet sweep op- or some sweep options outside and really attack the perimeter, that was when their offense really came alive. And that's why Fields had that 64 yard run was eventually Arkansas State couldn't just load up and pack the, pack the inside. And so, uh, you know, it's a hand in hand type thing. If the outside stuff isn't working, typically it's because, uh, you know, Fields has space in between the tackles to run. But Arkansas State's game plan was just to pinch their edges so hard that eventually Georgia Southern adjusted. It only took them a couple quarters, but they started attacking the perimeter, and that's why the numbers for Wirtz and Kennedy are more impressive. Uh, I, I kind of wish they had started mixing it up earlier. Uh, I think when they start really getting into Sunbelt play, there are going to be teams who uh, are able to defend those peri- that perimeter space a lot better. But, uh, you know, I really did expect Fields to be the guy to carry the load for them. And he looked good at times, but they, they just didn't do a, a great job of blocking for him uh, in between the tackles early on. Well, of course, with the win, Georgia Southern now up to 3-1 and 1-0 and in Sunbelt play. Arkansas State drops to 3-2 and 2 overall in the season, 0-1 in Sunbelt play. And now we move on to previewing week six of Sunbelt play, uh, a light week six, just only a few games to go over, starting with Thursday night's showdown uh, between Troy and Georgia State. But now this is, even though it's got to go in the books, is a week seven matchup. 
App State and Arkansas State are playing one week from the night that we are recording this. We're recording the podcast on Tuesday night, October 2nd. Well, one week from tonight is when Arkansas State and Appalachian State play on October the 9th in a uh, Tuesday night contest. So we're going to include that game into our Week 6 preview so we can talk about the game and include the game in Funbelt Pick'em, even though it technically goes down as a Week 7 contest. But we'll get to more on that. That'll be the last game we look over since we're going to go in the order uh, of when the games are played. And, of course, that starts with the Thursday night showdown on ESPNU, the Georgia State Panthers. They've got a little momentum rolling into Veterans Memorial Stadium to take on the Troy Trojans. Now, granted, Troy is a 16-point favorite in this matchup. This is one of those games, Brian, that Georgia State's going to have to have the defense show up. It doesn't matter how well the offense plays. If that defense doesn't show up against this Troy offense, then it's going to be a long night for the Panthers. Yeah, absolutely. If the defense, like we said, and the running game both are uh, are lackluster, they're really going to run into some trouble here. Uh, from a points perspective, uh, if I'm betting betting the line, I'm going to lay the points with Troy. Uh, I just think that Georgia State and Coastal are relatively comparable in what they're able to do. Um, and Troy, you know, outside of, you know, kind of giving up the second quarter there, really shellacked the Chanticleers. So I like uh, Troy plus the points uh, in this one against Georgia State uh, on Thursday night. I'm like you. If I was going to take the spread, it was going to be I, I like Troy. I trust Troy minus 16 a heck of a lot more than I trust Georgia State to keep it within that because we've seen just how bad this defense can be and how non-existent the running game can be at times. There's not been enough positive evidence on the side of the Panthers to warrant taking them to keep it within just over two scores. Yeah, absolutely. And and like I said, I think Georgia State is is pretty close as far as what kind of team they are to uh Coastal. And if Troy doesn't fall asleep in this one, it could get it could get really ugly. Um and so that's kind of what I'm expecting and that's why I would I would lay the points. Well, we move on to Saturday's contest, beginning a big one at Allen E. Paulson Stadium, 3.30 p.m. in Statesboro on ESPN3. Georgia Southern welcomes South Alabama. Uh, you know, App State just played South Alabama a week ago, so I can give you a little bit more in-depth going into this after seeing the Jags in person. A week ago, Evan Orth, when he has time, he can get the ball downfield. He doesn't have the greatest offensive line. App State was able to create a solid pass rush against him last week, but it's the defense. You know, App State tore him up through the air. Jalen Moore, though, had a really good game on the ground, which is a positive sign if if Jalen Moore and uh, a lot of these other guys for Appalachian State can have a good game on the ground against South Alabama. It should make a run-heavy team like your Eagles very excited, hence why they come in. Actually, they opened as 14-point favorites. This has come down to 13-and-a-half. From a betting perspective, I would take South Alabama plus 13-and-a-half. Uh, I, I like this Georgia Southern team a lot. I believe they're very talented. I, I, they just even play in South Carolina State in the opener. They just don't. They just don't blow teams out. I mean, you know, their biggest win of the season was 31 points against a, an FCS team that's an HBCU. Uh, I it, 
I wouldn't be shocked if they were able to cover this number, but you know, from a from a betting perspective, I wouldn't put uh I wouldn't put anything on it. Well, how do you feel about your Eagles when it comes to covering uh, Jamarius Way? He was kept intact by Tay Hayes and Clifton Duck a week ago for Appalachian State. Uh, Georgia Southern secondary is a lot years away better than where they were a year ago. Uh, do, how do you feel about Jamarius Way coming into this game against your Georgia Southern secondary? Uh, I I think this is probably a better matchup for Georgia Southern secondary than last week against Arkansas State. Uh, Arkansas State had a, a bunch of really good pass catchers, and for Georgia Southern to be able to kind of just highlight one guy, I think I think works out better for them. Uh, Monquavian Brinson is got to be maybe one of the top two corners in the entire conference, if not number one. He's just been lights out all year this year. He was even good going back to last year, but obviously their team was down in the dumps. I think if they put Brinson on way, where no matter where he lines up, and they give him a little bit of safety help over the top, I can not I can see a, a way turning in a stat line similar to last week against App State. Of course, the game is scheduled 3.30 kickoff on ESPN3 between the Eagles and the Jaguars. We move on at 4 o'clock on the SEC Network. It's going to be at Vaughn Hemingway Stadium in Oxford. The Warhawks of Louisiana Monroe going to travel to take on the Rebels of Ole Miss. The spread is 22 and a half in favor of the, of the Rebels. But I tell you what. Brian, <laughs> if I was a betting man, I don't know if I trust. If Louisiana Monroe gives up as many points as they give up to Georgia State a week ago, what do you think a team like Ole Miss out of the SEC has the potential to put up? So I, I just wanted to say real quick before I get into this, Ole Miss this season has either completely annihilated teams or gotten annihilated, and there's almost been no in-between. Their their sh- smallest margin of victory was uh, 21 points when they played Kent State. They've scored 47, 76, and 38 this year in wins, and in losses to Alabama and LSU have scored a combined 23 points. Now I don't I don't see ULM uh, obviously on the same level as an Alabama or LSU, so I think I would take the 22 and a half, no question. Ole Miss is going to be one of those. Uh, fringe Big 12 teams like Texas A&M and just be, or Texas Tech rather, and just score a ton of points. So I wouldn't be shocked to see Ole Miss being able to put up 65 in this one. Well, Ole Miss has been a team, as you just mentioned, it's either been on one end of the spectrum or the other. It's nothing against G5 opponents or FCS opponents to see this Rebel team put 70 points on the board. They've done it multiple times over the past four and five years. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of gotten to be their calling card uh as they've moved away from what was it the land shark defense that they used to have under <laughs> Hugh Freeze. Uh now it's just chuck the ball all over the yard, score as many points as you can and hope the other team isn't able to match. Uh week 1 they scored like I said 47 against Texas Tech. Uh Southern Illinois week 2 they scored 76 points. I think it's going to be closer uh in between those numbers, so like I said, I wouldn't be shocked to see them put up 55, 65 points on ULM. Uh, Caleb Evans could be in for a long day down in Oxford. I'm like you. I like Ole Miss minus the 22 and a half. That game, a 4 o'clock kick on the SEC Network. We move on. Our final game on Saturday 
It, it's the biggest coin flip game of the weekend. Somebody's got to get them a win somewhere. A pair of one and three teams and zero and one conference teams. Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, going to make the trip from the Bayou to San Marcos, Texas, to take on the Texas State Bobcats. Uh, Louisiana comes in as a three and a half point favorite, but I w- I'm going to be honest, Brian. I wouldn't touch this game from a betting perspective with a ten foot pole. I wouldn't either. Uh, if I had to bet, I'd probably lay the three and a half with uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, I'm looking through Texas State schedule right now, and I don't, I don't see maybe I don't see another win on their schedule. Honestly, it's a lot of Sun Belt teams, uh, and then the only out of conference team is New Mexico State, who has uh, you know since downgraded to being an FCS team, but you know they're not. They're one and four, so that game's a coin flip as well. I I have a hard time finding another win on Texas State schedule. So g- give me the uh, give me the Cajuns minus three and a half. Well, I'm like you. If I had to absolutely bet the game, I would lean towards the Raging Cajuns because I don't trust Texas State to win a football game simply because they've shown time and time and time again, even this year in, in two out of their uh, four total contests, they've had leads in the second half or in the later stages of the fourth quarter and just gave it away. That's been a theme that Everett Withers has kind of had stuck to him over the course of his Texas State tenure, and I just don't trust this team. No, and and there's no they give you no reason to to feel good uh, going into any game this season. Like I said, you know, let me let me kind of just go through who their their next couple opponents are. They get Louisiana Lafayette. They play Georgia Southern. ULM is maybe could be a coin flip game. Maybe they win that. New Mexico State, Georgia State, App State, Troy, Arkansas State. The last three are a murderer's row of the teams that are top of the Sun Belt. I I have a hard time if they don't beat New Mexico State and they don't beat uh, ULM. I, I I could see them turning in a one and eleven season. Definitely so. I mean, now granted, Texas State knows how to play against Appalachian State. They did it a year ago, early in the season, week three, when App State went to San Marcos and escaped with their life against the Bobcats. But I'm like you, just looking at the schedule, I don't see anywhere, any place that another win's going to come easy or halfway easy at all for this Texas State team. That's why I like the Cajuns uh, minus the three and a half if I was going to take it. But just from a normal perspective, I wouldn't touch this game at all. That's only if I just had to take somebody. That game's scheduled once again, 7 o'clock Eastern time on ESPN+. Plus. Now, the next game we're going to tell you about, as we mentioned at the top of the Week 6 lineup going down through this, is actually in the books as a Week 7 matchup. But they're playing it on Tuesday night, October the 9th, a week from the night that we are recording this podcast on October the 2nd. So we're going to include it in the preview since by the next podcast we will record, this game will have already be played and we can recap it with these week six games. So it's App State versus Arkansas State, a game that a lot of people say could be your first ever Sun Belt championship game, two of your favorites for that spot. Uh, your Georgia Southern Eagles showed that Arkansas State was not invincible through Sun Belt play. That was proven Saturday. Uh, App State, I think, is in a better position than a lot of people thought they were. It's crazy to think that this App State team is the second youngest FBS Division One football team in the country. There's 126 FBS schools. App State ranks 125th in experience. And they're still able to do what they've done. And I think that's an impressive thing that nobody saw coming. 
No, absolutely not. Uh, you know, going back to kind of what you mentioned about South Alabama, Arkansas State's uh, up front is just getting gashed every week on the ground. So uh, I would expect in this one to see a heavy dose of Jalen Moore as Arkansas State still trying to figure out how to how to keep teams from just running it right down their throat. Uh, we were kind of discussing this earlier. How do you feel about a Tuesday night game? Because there's another Sunbelt game two days later as Georgia Southern plays Texas State. How do you feel about this Tuesday night game that could potentially be the two top teams in the conference playing one another? Well, I like the fact that it's on national TV. It's going to be on ESPN, too, so it's for the world to see. It's on national television, so I like the fact that the Mountaineers are getting national exposure uh, like that. Now, granted, the last time, if, if I'm not mistaken, the last time the Mountaineers played on national television on a weeknight game, ESPN U, I guess, counts as national television, but on a lot of... TV packages, you have to have an upper package to get ESPNU. ESPN2 kind of comes basic with us. The last time the Mountaineers played like this was back in the FCS days. You're going to remember this, Brian, an ESPN2 game on Halloween night against Wofford where the Mountaineers put up, I believe, like 78 points against the Terriers. Armani Edwards absolutely tore the Terriers up. So it's been a long time since the Mountaineers have played a weeknight game on national television like this on like an ESPN2. And they're going into Arkansas State. Justice Hansen and his squad uh, are going to have the home field advantage. But uh, an interesting stat that I look at, now granted there's been no spread posted for this game yet, obviously. They won't come out with a spread till probably Sunday later this week for this game. An interesting uh, stat I look at as far as betting is concerned this year Arkansas State is one and four against the spread Appalachian is four and oh and that includes the Penn State game absolutely uh if I was if I was trying to handicap this game I might say App State is going to be anywhere from a nine to eleven and eleven point favorite uh you know but you know like we were talking about as far as picking this one um it's it's tough like doing this section of the podcast just because it's a Tuesday night game like you said it hasn't been there there hasn't been a line set yet but uh you know I I'm gonna kind of step on the next segment I can't see a way that App State loses this game to Arkansas State the way that the Red Wolves played last week. Well, the last time these two teams played on Thursday night was a clinic a couple of years back in Boone. Uh, Justice Hansen and Arkansas State came in there. I believe it was his sophomore year, or that would be, uh, no, I, his freshman or sophomore year, they came in and absolutely rolled Appalachian State on Thursday night. This game, of course, on Tuesday night. But the Mountaineers have seen success against the Red Wolves since moving up from the Sun, uh, from the SOCON into the Sun Belt. So it's going to be an interesting game to see. As you mentioned, it's tough to really dissect this game fourfold into anything because there's no spread to kind of go over and gauge what side of the fence you like spread-wise. So it, as you mentioned, just kind of stepping on our next segment, just for a, a small tad bit of a preview, I'm like you. I like Appalachian State in this game simply because they get 10 days to prepare. Now, granted, Arkansas State gets 10 days to prepare as well. 
But I feel like App State is a team, if Arkansas State comes out and starts slow, the way Zach Thomas has played this year, you got Corey Sutton, you got Thomas Hennigan, App State has a much, much improved receiving core this year from a year ago. Malik Williams has stepped up and had a big year. Uh, Corey Sutton, has, as I mentioned last week, he's become one of the most efficient receivers in the country, not just in G5 or in the conference in the country, and then, of course, Thomas Hennigan's there as, as well. Henry Pearson has been a come-out-of-nowhere tight end to see success for this young App State team. And so I just feel like the cards are set for this young Mountaineer team to really make a statement and give them the, the lead horse when it comes to hosting the first-ever Sun Belt Championship game come December. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I guess it's I guess it's time to move on to the straight straight up pick'em segment. Yeah, absolutely. We're gonna move on to Fun Belt Pick'em. We, we've kind of already gave you one of those. We both like App State over Arkansas State. Now, granted, we may be I may be looked at as a homer for that, but when you just put stats on the table, that's where your upper hand leans. We're eleven and one through two weeks of pick'ems. Pretty doggone good. You know, if we could be in Vegas Vegas just betting money line games, we would look pretty successful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it helps that, uh, we were talking about Vegas doesn't, doesn't do a great job of handicapping these, uh, G5 games, especially in the Sun Belt. So I feel like we'd be making a killing out west. Well, our first game to look over, Troy and Georgia State, I think straight up head to head, no spread. This one's just kind of probably the, one of the more obvious picks of the week. I, I like Troy straight up here. I, there's nothing that gives me a, a thought about taking the Panthers straight up in this matchup. No, if if Georgia State could could string together two consistent performances and and show that they're kind of trending up, uh, I would feel you know like this was going to give me a little bit of pause. But they had three straight rough weeks where they played some pretty good talent and just got killed, uh, and then they go beat ULM by you know close to. 40 points. So, uh, I like Troy in this one. I think they're just too talented and, and, uh, I, I like to see them get back on track and become a little bit more consistent and string together four good quarters in a row. Of course, our next game, Georgia Southern and South Alabama, straight up, no spread involved with the spread being 13 and a half. I like your Eagles again, man. I think they're going to get to 2 and 0 in Sunbelt play, 4 and 1 on the season. Uh, I've just, last week against App, I didn't see anything out of this South Alabama team that just made me say, wait a minute, they're ready to contend in the West, even in a bad Western division outside Arkansas State. I don't see that they're even a, a, a top two or three team maybe in the West. They're going to have to show me something because I just didn't see it against App State. I like your Eagles to take care of business at home. Yeah, I do too. Uh, even though this this line would be tough to bet, uh, straight up if you're taking it, uh, Georgia Southern is just too talented for South Alabama. Uh, South Alabama's at its best Weirdly enough, it's at its best when they're way behind and they're just scoring to try to try to make it a game usually. But uh Georgia Southern, I feel like, is is just going to shut down Jamarius Way because really through the air, he's their main and only real threat. So uh, if they can get some consistent pressure like they were in the first half uh, on defense at uh, at Evan Orth, uh, I like their chances in this one for sure. 
Well, our next game to tell you about, UL Monroe travels to Ole Miss. I think, once again, this is the overall easiest game to straight up pick. The Rebels, and with a lot of points on the board, I don't see the Warhawks uh, giving Ole Miss a lot of trouble in this game. No, and, and we discussed it earlier. The 22-and-a-half seems like an easy number to take, especially with how UL Monroe looked against Georgia State last week. Uh, Ole Miss, is, I feel like, is just going to put on an absolute offensive show in this one. Uh, I we, I don't have an over-under for this game in front of me, but I feel like it couldn't possibly be high enough. Well, you move on as we both, it's Ole Miss with flying colors. Louisiana and Texas State, of course, this is the toughest game to pick, hence why it's the lowest spread of the week, but... You know, I I can't say that I feel comfortable picking any team because it's that much of a coin flip game that I see. If I'm leaning one way, I trust the Cajuns maybe a tick more than I do Texas State. Now, granted, Louisiana has a horrendous defense, and Texas State could by some chance take advantage of that, but Texas State is notorious for, yeah, we got a lead, but hold on, let's blow it and hand this to the opponent. So... I'll I'll give the lean to the team with a bad defense over the team that just has a track record of constantly giving away games. Yeah, this is like we said. This is this is really tough to pick. Uh, ne- neither team's defense is stellar. Um, Texas State's might actually be a little better, but I don't trust uh, an Everett Withers coach team to be able to close out an opponent. Um, so. Uh, you know, give me the Cajuns here and, you know, I like the, I like the spread, like we said earlier, but I just don't, I just don't see a win for Texas State on the schedule going forward. Well, for the third week in a row, my friend, we picked the same exact winners in Fun Belt Pick'em. We have a chance to get to 16-1. and one. This is including the App State game next Tuesday night, October uh, the 9th, that we are including in this lineup of games since we have that rare Tuesday night appearance for a Sun Belt game like this. But as we get ready to close out this week's podcast, as we always end with, what are you looking for this weekend out of a Sun Belt? Uh, if I'm looking for the thing I'm looking for, it is what bad or lower-rung team, maybe bad's a, a tough word to use, but what lower-rung team is going to show that maybe they're not as bad as we thought? You got South Alabama, you got Louisiana and Texas State who are playing each other, Louisiana, Monroe, and then Georgia State's kind of on that flatline marker. All the bad teams are the teams in the lower rung of the conference. We have the ability to see this weekend and see if any of them's going to make any strides since we're nearing this midway point of the season. Yeah, the one thing that I'm looking at, you know, outside of the app and Arkansas State game, I want to see if Georgia State can show up for two consecutive weeks. Now, I don't expect them to win, but to just make a game of it and make Troy sweat a little bit would be a huge step forward, I think, for the Panthers. So that's what I'll be looking for uh, going into Thursday night's game. Well, of course, that is our two things that we are looking for this week for week six of Sunbelt Conference play as we close out the podcast for this week. My man, Brian, of course, I know you'll have your previews and recaps of Southern and South Alabama. But before I let you go, tell everybody where they want to find you on Twitter. You are the greatest fan of disagreeing with the majority when it comes to college football. Yeah, and I, I got into it a lot with people, especially when Summers was the head coach. I feel like I was I was uh, really leading the pack and wanting him out of there. But uh, if you'd like to argue about college football on Twitter, I am at WatchTheStone. Um, 
So yeah, just be on the lookout for uh, previews and reviews coming uh, later this week as Georgia Southern gets ready for South Alabama. Of course, you can find me on Twitter at Radio Guy AC, all things App State, and of course, chip in on some Coastal Carolina stuff as well as we close out this week's edition of the Underdog Podcast where we talk G5 football and only G5 football. It's been our Sunbelt Podcast for this week. Join us next week and we'll break down all the week six games and include the App State Arkansas State recap as well as we will dive into that and preview week seven coming up week after of Sunbelt play. This has been the Sunbelt edition of the Underdog Dynasty Podcast. <laughs>